0: Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening.
1: Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas to you. It's so great to see you. You know, listening to them makes us all think we can sing. You know what I'm saying? We just all want to stand and... So on the count of three, do this for me, would you? Shout out your number one, all-time, most favorite Christmas hymn. All right, on the count of three. We're going to take a vote. One, two, three. All right, sound like a tie. We're going to break the tie right now. Because I get the tiebreaker tonight, okay? O Holy Night, all-time, greatest Christmas hymn ever. And people agreed? Okay, a few. So we have been in a series, if maybe you haven't been here this month, a series entitled, Do You Hear What I Hear? Because I'm convinced we sing these Christmas hymns over and over again. We sing them, but we don't really hear them. And so this series has been about four sermons framed around four Christmas hymns to really understand them. To hear what God hears, to understand what we sing, not merely the song. I love Joey's story, the story you heard on the the video testimony. Joey's a member of our church. And what I love about Joey's story is this, he can hear more than some people can hear with two healthy set of ears. Because you understand, you don't hear from God with this, you hear from God from this. See, the reality is a lot of people never hear God, they never hear the voice of God, they never really hear the word of God because you don't hear God with ears, you hear God with your heart. And tonight I pray that you've come with an open heart to hear the word of God, to hear what God hears. As we talk about the song, O Holy Night, and we close out our series really looking at the history and the theology of this remarkable Christmas hymn, they are gonna sing it together before we go. So this hymn that we now sing over and over again, many generations have come and gone, generation after generation, singing this hymn, Oh, Holy Night. Where did it come from? It came from this man right here. His name is Placide Capou. He is a French poet from the 19th century. That really is his name, by the way, Placide Capou. If anyone's looking for a good baby name, Placide Capou, a very famous French poet, And he lived in the south of France, a very small French town. And the parish where he worshipped had a broken organ in 1843. And so it was right before Christmas Eve, and the parish priest had the organ uh, reverberated and kind of repaired just in time for the Christmas service. So in celebration, he asked this man to write a Christmas poem so that they could read it as a part of this Christmas celebration. And so he did. He wrote the poem that we now sing, O Holy Night, and his name was Placide Caput. Now, what is interesting, it was four years later. It wasn't a song immediately. It was just a poem. But four years later, it was put to music by a very famous French composer by the name of Adolphe Adam. And it was in 1855 that it was then brought to the United States by this man right here, John Sullivan Dwight. He's the one that translated it from French to English so that we now sing this song. Now, what is interesting about this time of history, think about 1855. It was the height of the abolitionist movement in America. And this man was an avowed abolitionist. And it was actually the third chorus of this song that made this so very popular to sing, especially in the churches in the north, full of abolitionists. Because it was this third chorus that we sing that really caught on with this man, John Dwight, and so many Christians and churches in the north of the U.S. Because of this chorus right here, read it with me, it says this, "...truly he taught us to love one another, his law is love, and his gospel is peace." Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. This was the chorus that really made it popular in the 1850s in the U.S., and we continue to sing it all these generations later. Now, it's true. Think about this with me. Wherever Christianity got a foothold, equality and freedom became one of the core values of that society. And here's the reality. Wherever Christianity historically did not get a foothold, even today, think about the places in the world where there is still a slave trade, where women are still oppressed, where there is no religious liberty, no religious freedom. It is always in spaces and places where Christianity didn't get a foothold. But in the Western Hemisphere, think about the influence and the core values of Western society, freedom, equality. You see, that comes right from Christianity. It was the Apostle Paul that put it this way. In the first century, living in a Roman society where half the people there were slaves, where women had no rights whatsoever. It was Galatians 3.28. This was revolutionary. It was radical. When the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Galatians 3.28 that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. You see, it was Jesus that established the fact that we're all equal before God, which is why historically slavery and equality were the things that Christians fought for practically and politically. But listen carefully. I'm convinced that when we look in Scripture, there's so much more going on than simply historically what happened in the Western Hemisphere so much going on more, I'm convinced. I'm not sure that Capu understood theologically everything that he was writing, but it's remarkable looking at it today. Think about what humanity would look like today. If we could just do this right here. Think about the world we will live in. If we could just pull these two lines off, right? It says this. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Man, if we could just do that, what a world it would be, Yes? I mean, think about it. There'd be no oppression, no division, no dissension, no hatred, no hostility, no animosity. It sounds a lot like heaven, yes? Did you know that heaven came to earth 2,000 years ago for this reason? Because the reality is we can't execute this apart from Jesus. Now, it says this, truly he taught His love, taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. This comes from Matthew chapter 22. So they came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. They said, Rabbi, teacher, this book we call the Bible, it's a big book. It's a thick book with all the these and those, the do's and the don'ts. Just boil it down. Make it simple for us. Tell us what you want us to do. Jesus said these words. The first and great commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he said, the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on this, do all the law and prophets hinge. Meaning, if you just do this one thing, you will naturally do the second thing, and then you will naturally do all the other things. This is the main thing. Love God, love others. Imagine if we could just do that one thing. Here's what Jesus was teaching. You can't love God and not love what God loves. And think about what God loves. See, it's impossible to say, I love God, I love Jesus, I just hate people can't stand them Now admittedly there's people harder to love than others yes there is But the reality is you can't love God and not love what God loves and God loves guess what God loves everybody do like this That's right Come on everybody do like this God loves you and I don't make it all about you Do like this God loves them too Yeah they do Now here's the reality. Jesus was teaching when you love God, when you practice the law of love, you will naturally keep all God's other laws. Here's the reality. When we sin against God, it's because we love ourselves more than we love God. When we sin against each other, it's because we love ourselves more than we love each other. You see, the problem is not one among us can keep the law of love perfectly. Not one among us keeps it completely, daily, consistently. No, there are times every single one of us sin against God because we love ourselves more than we love God. And there are times we sin against one another because we love ourselves more than we love each other. You see, we have all broken the law of love. And that is why we live in a world that's still all these generations later full of oppression and division and dissension, hostility, animosity because it's an impossibility to practice this law daily, consistently. And this is why he includes the next two lines. Chain shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Now, yes, we know that Sullivan uh, brought this to America because he was an abolitionist and practically he wanted this song to become a theme song for the abolitionists and many ways it did. But do you understand that every single one of us is born with a set of chains? We're all born with an invisible set of chains. Jesus said these words, he that commits sin is a slave to sin. You see, we're all born with an invisible set of chains behind an invisible set of bars. You see, we're all born in sin. We're under sin's tyranny. We're under sin's captivity. And this is why Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You see, Christmas is about what happened 2,000 years ago when the sinless Son of God came like the sons of men so that he could die for our sin and break the chains of sin's prison for all men and all women. That is the incarnation, that God himself became a man so that he could become our sacrificial lamb, so that he could break these chains, these chains of sin. You see, the reality is every single one of us are born with a set of chains in captivity until Jesus sets us free. And that is why he would die at Calvary. He wasn't born merely for the manger. He was born as the Messiah, not for the cradle, but for the cross, because it was the sin of a man that brought down the curse of sin for all men. Only the death of an innocent man could reverse the curse of sin for all men. And Jesus did what no man could do. Second Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that is why, as we sing this today, chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease, It's Jesus has the power to set us free. Now, I don't know for sure what Kapu was thinking when he penned these words. And he would say later, they actually wrote the words of this poem on a business trip to Paris, France, while he was in a stagecoach. I don't know what he was thinking when he penned these words, but I know what I think When I sing these words, what I think about as I sing these words is Isaiah 61 and verse 1. This is a messianic prophecy that Jesus would apply to himself. He would read in Luke chapter 4 from the Isaiah scroll these very words right here, and he would say these words, This day this prophecy has been fulfilled in your sight. What he was saying is, I am the one, the promised one, the anointed one that has the power to set you free. He said these words in Isaiah 61 and verse 1, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He means the humble of heart. Jesus in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, meaning the humble of heart. You see, you don't hear God with your ears. You hear God with your heart. And if your heart isn't humble before God, you will never, ever hear God. So he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He's come to preach good tidings or good news to the humble. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now I want you to notice, Jesus said we're all in captivity. We're born in captivity. We are born with a set of chains that are invisible, but they are just as real as any chains you can see. We're born with the chains of sin until Jesus sets us free. He says, I've come to set you free, but before I deliver you from that bondage that binds you, I've gotta heal that brokenhearted inside of you. See, Jesus gets right to the heart of the problem, and the heart of the problem is the human heart. We're all born already with a heart that is broken. It has been marred and scarred by sin, and then because of sin committed against us or sin committed by us, our hearts increasingly become broken. Every single one of us have a broken heart until Jesus comes and heals that brokenness inside of us. See, he comes to get to the heart of the problem, and the real heart of the problem is the heart. Hey, this is why you can't change what you do until Jesus changes what you is. Because we do what we do because we is what we is. See, what we need is not another New Year's resolution. How'd that work last year for you? We don't need another New Year's resolution. You'll see this on billboards all over town come January 1 in that first week. New year, new you. Really? What about the new year is going to make a new you? See, the reality is it's not a New Year's resolution. It's not behavior modification. It is not self-reformation. What we need is an inner transformation. I need to become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is what I love about Joey's story. This is what he did while he was behind bars. He was literally in jail. And do you understand, until Jesus sets us free, we are all behind bars, not bars that we can see, but bars we cannot see. Here's Joy that cannot hear physically, but he can hear more spiritually than the average human human being will ever hear personally because there was a day in his life that he humbled his heart before God and Jesus came into his heart and changed his heart. He changed him from the inside out. And that's what Jesus has come to do to heal that broken heart inside of you, to give you a new heart. He's not trying to make the old you better. He's trying to make a new you all together. And this is what Jesus does. When he heals that broken heart. This kind of reminds me, guys. I'm sorry. This is good. You may never come back to abundant life, but I'm going to do this anyway, okay? All right, here we go. This kind of reminds me of another ancient Christmas hymn. You hear it all the time. I heard this shopping recently. Last Christmas I gave you my heart, and the very next day you gave it away. I told you you might never come back now. Took a chance. Here, here's what I want you to see. When you give your heart away... To the things of this world, the world will always give your heart back broken. See, the things of this world are broken. The things of this world are fleeting. They are in decay. They, they cannot stay. The day will come. They will all fade away. And so much of the time, we give our heart to all the wrong things, things that cannot really heal our heart, things that can only increasingly scar our heart and mar our heart. That is why today give your heart to Jesus because it's Jesus that will hear the broken heart. And when he heals your brokenness, he delivers you from the bondage. He delivers you from that which binds you, the addiction, the depression, the alcoholism, whatever your ism is. And we all got an ism. We all got an invisible set of bars that we live behind until Jesus sets us free. He offers it as a gift. And this is what it says in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. See, we think I gotta work harder for it i got to try harder. I really mean it this time. I didn't mean it last time. I really mean it this time. Know the reality is you can't work for a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. All you can do is receive it. And today, God offers you a gift of freedom. He offers you a gift of eternal life. But will you receive it? I have a gift right here. It really is. I have a gift for anybody that wants to come and get it. Anybody? (laughs) Becca, it's yours. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Anybody could have come and got it, Becca. But you did. They all just sat there. Hey, that is a gift. It really is a gift. When she opens that card up, it's going to say, Merry Christmas from Abundant Life. There's a dinner card in there, a gift card, Becca, to go to dinner, you and Matt, sometime soon. Merry Christmas. Enjoy dinner on Abundant Life. We love you guys. Now, it's a gift, guys. It really is. She didn't do anything to earn it, did she? She didn't buy it. Somebody else did. See, that's the nature of a gift. The gift of God is eternal life. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. What did she have to do? She had to believe that I was serious, that I really do have a gift. Let me ask you, do you believe that God has a gift? Do you really believe it's true? See, if you don't believe it's true, you will sit there and do nothing while God's offering you the gift. Now, here's what I want you to understand. She believed that I was serious. And you see, belief always demands action. It always demands something. He did all the work. He purchased it for you. But the question is now, what will you do? That gift must be received. It must be redeemed. I just read today. You can look this up yourself. Half of all Americans combined for $28 billion of unredeemed gift cards every single year. Now, I promise, you give me a gift card, I'm going to use it. But apparently, 50% of all Americans have unredeemed gift cards in their dresser drawer right now at this very hour for a total of $28 billion. Can you imagine? Listen, I'm going to say at least that many Americans, if not more, have a gift from God that has never been redeemed. So what will you do? This gift must be received. And what's amazing as we sing this song is that the three men responsible for bringing this song "O Holy Night" to the world." They wrote the words, they translated the words, they composed the music. But none of them believed it. What a tragedy. Placide Capu, born and raised a Catholic, walked away from his faith, walked away from Jesus, became an avowed socialist. His religion was Marxism, decided Marxism and Christianity weren't compatible. See, what he was hoping for was a political revolution, but Jesus came to give us a spiritual revolution, something far better. He was hoping for social reformation, but God came to give him a personal resurrection. Adolph Adam, that composed the melody we now sing, he was a Jew. He denied that Jesus was the Messiah till the day that he died. And this man, John Dwight, the abolitionist, he was also a Unitarian. He absolutely denied Christ's deity, Christ's supremacy. The three men that brought us this great, amazing Christmas hymn heard it with their ears, but they never heard it with their hearts. Because you do not hear God with this, you hear God with this. And the tragedy of the song is it will be sung by millions and millions of people this weekend, all over the world, by some of us even right here. We will sing the words, we will hear the words. But what will you do with the words? Will you receive this gift written herein? Oh, holy night. And church, it was a holy, holy night. You know why? Because the holy, sinless Son of God was coming like the sons of men so that he could die for our sin. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Placide Capu wrote these words. But he missed the Savior, the only hope for his soul. Salvation, redemption. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining. What does that even mean? Pining, sin and error. The world was in sin and error. Generation after generation, and it still is today apart from him. Sin and error will always lead to ruin, cataclysm pining, the world was pining, longing, yearning for a savior, yearning, longing for redemption. And the world still is desperate for redemption. Till he appeared and the soul felt his worth, a thrill of hope. The weary soul rejoices. Listen, if Jesus isn't true, then there is no hope. If all we live in is a universe that's cold and mindless and callous where bad things happen to good people and it's survival of the fittest with the strong praying on the weak and there's no justice and there's there's no goodness and there's no hope for grace, there's no hope for forgiveness, there's no hope at all. But Jesus, on this night, hope arrived. A weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn." You say, Phil, what do we do? How do we receive it? We're about to sing it, but will you really hear it? It demands a response if this is true. He says, fall on your knees. You see, this is the posture of the human heart that finally is ready to hear from God, that's finally ready to receive the Son of God. Because it's not about your ears, it's about your heart. And when you fall on your knees before God, this is what Joey did. Inside a jail cell, inside bars that he could see, this is what you do. When you're behind those bars that nobody else can see, you fall on your knees. You say, Jesus, I need you. I'm pining for you. I'm desperate for you. And God will not ignore the plea of the humble heart. Would you bow with me right now with every head bowed for just a moment, every eye closed. Is that you today? Maybe many Christmases have come and gone. Many times you've heard this song. But tonight you've heard it with your heart. And you know you're behind bars. Wearing chains that nobody else can see. And Jesus has come to set you free. Pray this with me right now, just wherever you sit. Jesus set me free. I believe you have the power to forgive my sin. I invite you into my life. I'm asking you to come in. Change me from within. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at AbundantLifeLS.